Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, November 17th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the issue of abortion rights is the subject of a new lawsuit as a group of anti-abortion doctors seek to challenge a 1998 Mississippi Supreme Court opinion. We hear from the group representing the plaintiffs and examine the merits of the case. Plus, the Agriculture Commissioner launches a new initiative aimed at combating food insecurity. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A group of anti-abortion medical professionals is asking the state to re-examine a 1998 ruling on abortion rights. In that ruling, which is called Pro-Choice Mississippi versus Fordyce, the Mississippi Supreme Court held the opinion that the state constitution protects the right to an abortion. At the time, Roe v. Wade was a legal precedent at the federal level. But that changed this summer when the 1973 ruling was overturned. The Dobbs decision also triggered a 2007 law banning most abortions in the state. Now the Mississippi Justice Institute has filed a lawsuit on behalf of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. The suit states that these doctors fear they could lose their license for refusing to refer a patient to receive abortion services and challenges the state court's 1998 Fordyce decision. Mississippi Justice Institute Director Aaron Rice tells our Lacey Alexander he hopes the suit provides some legal clarity. Well, we're in a pretty odd situation in Mississippi in that elective abortions appear to be both legal and illegal at the same time. And that's because Mississippi has enacted an elective abortion ban in statute, but we still have an opinion from the Mississippi Supreme Court that holds that elective abortions are a right protected by the Mississippi Constitution. And so our lawsuit is seeking to clarify that and is asking the court to overrule its former opinion and pro-choice Mississippi versus Fordyce and hold that uh, abortion is not a constitutional right in Mississippi. Gotcha. So what does this mean for doctors that maybe belong to an association or a political opinion like the AAPLOG? Are they more so protected by the Dobbs opinion or are they more so in trouble because of the constitutional word? Or is that kind of what you guys are trying to figure out with the suit? Absolutely. So 
uh, pro-life physicians in Mississippi are uh, have been under pressure from professional medical societies to provide or refer for elective abortions. Those professional medical societies have issued ethical guidelines suggesting that it is unethical and potentially punishable by the state for pro-life physicians to refuse to participate in or refer patients for abortions. And so uh, our clients, APLOG, a group of pro-life physicians who have members in Mississippi, are seeking to clarify the law in Mississippi and establish that elective abortions are, in fact, uh, illegal in Mississippi uh, and therefore end those intimidation tactics that have been put on them to try to pressure them into participating in abortions. Give me a little bit more of the backstory of the conversations that happened in the room that led to this suit. Were you guys approached by the AAPLOG? Was this a collaboration that's been in the works for a while? Tell me about the conversations that led up to you guys deciding to file this suit. Yeah, well, I mean, the the conversations themselves are, are going to be legally privileged and something that we can't really disclose and we're not authorized to disclose. Uh, but what I will say is that uh, the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists is very interested in uh, protecting their members' conscience rights in Mississippi, and the Mississippi Justice Institute is happy to represent them in this case and seek to do that. Understood. What is maybe the best-case scenario for this for this suit? If you guys could get anything that you wanted out of this result, what would that anything be? Well, we're very confident that the courts will... Uh, correct their error in the Fordyce opinion when given the opportunity to do that. The Fordyce opinion relied very heavily on the United States Supreme Court's decisions in Roe v. Wade and uh, the Casey opinion, and both of those have now been overruled and called egregiously wrong by the United States Supreme Court. And we think that that shows that the Mississippi Supreme Court made an error when it relied on those opinions and that it should correct that now. We're confident the courts will do that. And that will really clarify the law here in Mississippi. It'll allow Mississippians to know that this elective abortion ban is still going to be here tomorrow. And it'll also protect uh, APOG physicians uh, and their conscience rights in Mississippi. So now that the suit is filed, what are the next steps for you guys? What are, um, what are some things that you're preparing right now or preparing to do or preparing to present that you can talk to me about? Yeah, uh, you know, really, so um, now that the lawsuit has been filed, uh, the state will have 30 days to answer the lawsuit. And so we're really just going to wait on that and assess our options once we see what the state's response to the lawsuit is. And it'll really be up to the judge in the case to kind of set the, the next steps and the scheduling order, perhaps, or anything like that. But, you know, we're just going to wait and see what the state's response is, see what other developments there may be, and just proceed from there. Aaron, thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like to let our listeners know that maybe I forgot to ask you today? Uh, our uh, volunteer attorney in this case is Andy Taggart, uh, a founder of the law firm of Taggart, Grimes, and Wiggins, PLLC, and we're very excited to have him on the case with us. Uh, we need uh, volunteer attorneys just like Andy to allow us to do our work. We're also uh, just very proud of our clients for the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists for being willing to uh, step up and take this case on. All right. Thank you so, so much. Aaron Rice, Mississippi Justice Institute Director, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us about this today. Yeah, great talking to you. Thank you. Next, we examine the merits of the case with a professor of constitutional law. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The 1998 pro-choice Mississippi versus Fordyce opinion that's at the center of a new lawsuit has already been subject to judicial review this year. The Jackson Women's Health Organization lost a case where they used the opinion to defend their right to stay open earlier this summer. That makes it settled law of the land, according to Matt Steffi, professor at Mississippi College School of Law. MPB's Lacey Alexander talks to Steffi about the merits of this case and whether or not it goes beyond stand legal protections. My guess is they'll get what they want pretty easily um, because the, the, the interesting thing about this and the way it works procedurally, they have filed a suit for a declaratory judgment trying to declare that this pro-choice uh, Fordyce case is no longer the law of the state of Mississippi, that the instead the abortion bans, the trigger law, and so on that have uh, come into, uh, uh, into force post-Dobbs, that that's the law of the land. So what this is, is it's an, uh, a lawsuit seeking a declaratory judgment that the pro-choice pro-choice Fordyce case is no longer good law. The interesting thing is, I don't know anybody who thinks it is good law. What makes this lawsuit interesting or unusual is that there aren't really two sides to it. There aren't opposing parties creating a controversy, um, a dispute that will develop the facts, fully argue the case, and uh, and give it uh, before the Mississippi Supreme Court with two fully briefed, uh, uh, passionately argued sides. That this is a lawsuit where virtually everyone involved agrees on the preferred outcome. And that's not what lawsuits usually look like. Right? That I don't think any of the defendants in this case believe or will take the position that pro-choice Fordyce is good law. Um, so when uh, uh, when we uh, think of uh, who's going to speak for the other side, it's not apparent that anybody will. And so if this isn't really two sides to this, then it doesn't look like we normally expect lawsuits to look. That, that, that feels more political in nature, as some lawsuits are, than legal. So that's not to say it's not likely to succeed, because I think it probably will. Um, I don't know who would appeal. I don't know, in a way, how this case gets before the Mississippi Supreme Court. But assuming it does, then the Mississippi Supreme Court, one would suppose, would in turn, uh, overrule pro-choice versus Florida. 
Yeah, they they did tell me that they believe that this would likely be decided by the Supreme Court. Um, but as you're saying, the damages are almost hypothetical in nature. Well, the um, injuries are absolutely hypothetical and speculative. That's not to say they're legally insufficient, but there's no doubt they are hypothetical and insufficient they, and, and hypothetical in nature and speculative. They can't, as best I can tell, there is not a single doctor who can step forward and say, I've actually been injured by the uh, ongoing, uh, uh, the ongoing uh existence of this uh, pro, pro-life board, uh, this case on the books. Like, if they could find a doctor who's actually been injured, presumably that, that, would, that would be mentioned in the lawsuit. So uh, you, you're right. That any injury is speculative and attenuated and essentially hypothetical in nature. I think they are performative. I think they are very effective fundraising tools. They make a lot of news. We're talking about it. It makes headlines. It makes it's discussed in uh, various news entities across the country. Um, it is, uh, you know, kind of waves proudly the uh, pro-life flag. Um, it is likely to prevail, assuming it goes forward. Um, so I think it's good publicity, could um, uh, a good fundraising tool. Uh, it generates uh, a lot of talk and buzz. Um, it is likely to have a successful outcome. By successful, we mean another strike against this uh, old case. But there is no doctor at risk for losing their life. The basis of the lawsuit is that, in theory, a doctor could lose their life uh, if this uh, old case isn't overturned. But I think there's no risk that that will happen. There's no real allegation that it ever has um, or ever almost has or anyone ever reasonably feared it would. Um, In fact, I can't imagine if the Mississippi State Board of Medical Licensure, which has been named the defendant, I can't imagine they will take the position that they are ready, willing, and able to to revoke or uh, the license of or discipline any of the doctors who have brought this to Because I think the State Board of Medical Licensure has no intention to do it. Let me put it this way. There's no allegation that the State Board of Medical Licensure has any intention of taking any doctor's license away or otherwise taking any action. The lawsuit is based on the very theoretical possibility, very theoretical very hypothetical that they could. Not that they would, but that they could. Matt Steffi is a professor at the Mississippi College School of Law. Coming up, the Agriculture Commissioner launches a new initiative aimed at combating food insecurity. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Thousands of Mississippi households face food insecurity, especially access to fresh local foods. But a new initiative from the Agriculture and Commerce Commission hopes to address that. They are partnering with food pantries across the state through the Mississippi Local Foods Purchase Assistance Program. Commissioner Andy Gibson announced the partnership yesterday. We're gathered here today at a historic moment in the history of Mississippi. You know, uh, local food is important. Matter of fact, I would say there's no more important issue in the world we live in today than local Mississippi food. The Department of Agriculture was formed in 1906 And it's interesting to go back and read the history of that. You know what the legislature was interested about in 1906 when it formed this agency? Local food. And here we are in 2022 talking about the critical importance of local food. Today, we are delighted to announce uh, the Mississippi Local Food Assistance Program. It is the first of its type in the state of Mississippi. It is a way we are going to connect Mississippi farmers with uh, people in need across this state, people in underserved communities who are, in many cases, uh, going hungry right now. Gibson says the initiative doesn't just get underserved communities local food. It provides economic relief to local farmers who have been hit hard by inflation and kinks in the supply chain. This program is in response to a variety of challenges that we've been facing in this state and really all across America. You know about the supply chain challenges that we have had, uh, the transportation costs, the lingering effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. And you all know that the Mississippi River is going dry. Now, that is a historic moment. We've We've been watching that. And we've been preparing. And this is a moment that we have to rise to the challenge and to announce this program in such a way that we're going to connect Mississippi's local food producers with these food banks right here in the the central Mississippi, the Mississippi Food Network, feeding the Gulf Coast and the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and, of course, Mid-South Food Bank in north Mississippi. So we're supporting our local producers. Agriculture is the state's largest industry. Last year, where our producers uh, 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 produced over $8 billion in Mississippi products, ag commodities, and uh, set an all-time record, as a matter of fact. Our farmers are resilient. They have never stopped farming. Uh, The effects of inflation that we as consumers have all felt, and people who are watching on TV, everyone has felt it in the grocery store and at the gas pump. Uh, But the farmers have experienced it perhaps worse than anybody. The cost of fertilizer have doubled. The cost of uh, fuel to run the tractors has uh, gone skyrocketed. And not to mention the transportation costs with the logistical challenges that we face. Just getting what we need to grow our food has cost more. But I want to thank our farmers for not stopping. Can we give our farmers a hand? Thank you for what you are doing each and every day. And so now consumers are, like never before, looking for those local food sources. Charles Beatty is CEO of Mississippi Food Network, a major food distribution organization participating in the program. He says the partnership is a first step in solving food scarcity in the state. Mississippi Food Network serves 56 counties, some 38,000 square miles in Mississippi, 
using partnerships with over 400 organizations in those counties. Data tells us that uh, there are over 400,000 food insecure households in our service area, including thousands of children and senior citizens, the most vulnerable among us. Many of the families we serve live in rural areas that have limited access to grocery stores and other sources of fresh, healthy food. The local food purchase assistance program will give Mississippi Food Network access to locally grown fresh foods, as well as the opportunity to reach previously underserved areas in our state. We're very excited about this new partnership with the Mississippi Department of Agriculture and Commerce, and we feel this is just the beginning of the many ways our food bank and Mississippi Department of Agriculture and Commerce will work together to serve our great state. The same is true in South Mississippi. Michael Ledger is president and CEO of Feed the Gulf Coast. He says being able to provide healthy, locally sourced foods is a key component of what they're doing. Uh, one of the things we're finding a real challenge is food sourcing. Uh, federal programs, local programs, we've had to lean more into purchasing food. Even our retail donated programs are down right now, and it's understandable because of the uh, supply chain issues we face, so many other issues, of course, transportation costs. All those things for a nonprofit are a great challenge. Uh, we try to stretch the dollar as far as we can to reach as many people in need as we can. A program like this is going to really plug us into new contexts. One of the things we find a real challenge as we're trying to source food is to find folks that can work with us. And to be able to do that locally is such a powerful tool. Not only is it going to be an economic boon to Mississippians and to these farmers that we're going to be working with, uh, we're going to be able to take that food, put it right back into our community. Uh, being able to connect to folks like this uh, is going to be something not just for today, but for tomorrow and in the future as we try to connect and make more relationships, move more pounds. Of course, one of the things we try to do is healthy food. And as he just mentioned, so much of the food grown here, uh, sourced here, is, uh, is, is very healthy. Uh, and we are trying to make sure as we give these uh, nutritious foods to folks, it's going to make them better today and tomorrow. The state is receiving $3 million from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to fund the new program. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.